Hello and welcome to another episode of the Bigamex Radio Podcast. I want to take a moment to, first of all, thank everybody for taking the time to listen to Bigamex Radio. This has been a passion project for me, something that I'm deeply uh, enjoying, and uh, I love bringing all these stories to you. This particular episode of the Bigamex Radio Podcast, brought to you by Medterra, is about Kevin Morans. Kevin Morans is a 21-year-old privateer motocross racer on the 250 class uh, and has been doing so for a number of years. You've probably seen him most recently outdoors as well as in Supercross with number 77, the TPJ KTM. Kevin has an amazing story. and He's an extremely hardworking guy and I hope that you guys listen carefully to all of the things that he had to say and uh, we sort of get into uh, a little bit of uh, how he deals with some of the sponsors and I thought that would be a cool way for you guys to have a little um, peek behind the curtain in that respect. So uh, I also wanted to uh, quickly tell you guys about a contest that we're running. Um, I kind of fumbled this during the uh, the intro to the podcast. You'll hear that in a few minutes here. Um, but what I wanted to come get across is that we're currently running a promotion or a contest from today, the 16th of November, till the 20th uh, later on. That's I believe that's Friday, correct? I think so. 20th, November 20th, uh, we're going through Medterra CBD. Everybody who emails me saying that you want to enter the contest, just find a uh, subject heading uh, to bradgebhart88 at gmail.com. If you listen to this and you want to win a 3,000 milligram tincture of CBD oil from our friends at Medterra CBD, hit me up, send an email. Uh, one email, one email per person. Uh, if you have multiple emails, I guess you can get uh, multiple uh, submissions that way. But hit me up, and uh, we'll pick a winner on Friday. So, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I assume mostly gentlemen, Kevin Morans. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Medterra CBD. You can go to medterracbd.com right now and enter discount code BigMXRadio20 to save fifty. Not 50, it used to be a 15% discount code. It is now a 20% discount code. And for those who email me before the end of this week, November 16th through, I believe it's the 20th, email me with big, Brad Gebhart 88 at gmail.com. First people to email me, we're going we're gonna to cut it off on the Friday. And uh, those who enter will be entered to win a 3 thousand milligram tincture of CBD oil courtesy of our friends over at Medterra CBD. Like I said, you can go there on medterracbd.com and enter discount code BigMXRadio20 to save 20% off every single one of your purchases. I am your host, Brad Gebhart, with us on the line. He's on the line for the very first time with BigMX Radio. He's a little bit nervous, but I told him, don't worry about it. I'm not very good at this. It'll be a fun conversation. The 77 in your program, probably a better number for next year. Kevin Morans, how's it going? It's going good. How you been? Not too bad, not too bad, man. All right, did we drop the number for 2020 or 2021, or are we? Uh, uh, what are we sitting at know, for next year? Unfortunately, unfortunately, we, uh, we scored more points, but we went up in number. Uh, I think I scored close to 10 more points than last year. But we ended up going up a number just because there's a lot of people that end up scoring more points. So I guess this is the way it works sometimes. 
Well, that's what happens. You know, when you have all those, uh, like all 20 of the star racing athletes show up for a couple of nationals, um, <laughs> they might they might get a, a national number. What, uh, what did you end up with the yeah. next year? Uh, 85. 85 80 I, I don't mind that number yeah. you know what I uh, I used to race against uh, a kid locally him and me myself 95 him 85 we'd go back and forth all day on kx85 so I, I have no problem with that number and uh, yeah I think it looks good on a motorcycle too 85 is a strong number yeah yeah I was like when we were getting like the projections and everything I was like I was told either 83 84 or 85 and I was like all right like I'd probably want obviously 83 or 84 over an 85 just from like the looks standards of it so when i got 85 i was like oh sweet but like after seeing it on the bike like i actually kind of gel with it i like it all right cool well uh kevin moran's here on the big mx radio podcast brought to you by medterra cbd um kevin you've been at this for a long period of time you're 21 years old but i have a feeling that the passion for motocross and the the want to go pro um started a whole lot before uh your, your current uh, 21st birthday let's spin the clocks back to where the story begins uh where did you start riding what kind of bike was it on and uh, how early in your life did you start uh getting behind the gate racing and eventually knocking down some uh some youth championships yeah um so I started riding slash racing when I was four years old. Um, so the way it kind of started is we moved to Topeka, Kansas, which that's where I'm from. That's where that's all I remember, you know, being. I was probably about right around three when we moved there. Well, when we went over and introduced ourselves to our neighbors, um, the Titans and the Timmons, which are our neighbors right now still. Um, when we went over there, they were around our age. And they were riding like little PW50s and like little dirt bikes. So like when we got there, my brother Colton and I, who Colton's about a year and a half older than me, we look at my dad. We're like, Dad, we want dirt bikes. Like this looks sweet. So we ended up getting dirt bikes. That's how that whole situation began. And then we started racing at Dragoon, which is a local track for us in Kansas. And it just kind of started from there. We'd race there, you know, the weekend warrior style. And then as we got into, you know, I think the first year I went to Loretta's was like 2008 or something like that. So like I ended up going to Loretta's seven different times through the high school career or through the school career, I guess you could say, um, before I ended up turning pro. So I kind of have a little bit different background when it comes to my education as a motocross racer. Uh, I didn't really get to start taking anything serious slash like training and traveling until after high school like i went through the public high school route um and played football like all four years played did other extracurricular activities and stuff like that so uh, my education was more of my uh priority and then also just like family finances kept us limited to only doing loretta's every year like we didn't get to do any other nationals never got to go train or anything so just local races and loretta's so as soon as I graduated, I kind of started taking things on my own shoulders and raising my own money to go racing. Fair enough. Now, hold the phone. I think we've had a, uh, hundreds of motocross racers here on the Big MX Radio podcast. I don't think we've ever had a football player, other than myself, of course, uh, winning provincial championships back-to-back, 2008, 2009. No big deal. What uh, what position did you back up in? <laughs> Weird flag, bro. <laughs> I know. What? what? What position did you back up in? 
so I was uh, like a slot receiver. So I was like, because okay. um, like I obviously was not really big in high school. Um, I was always uh, the smaller, really, I was like, had a lot of agility, I was really quick on my feet. And I was like a good juker, I guess is what you can say it. So I was like a running back slash wide receiver type. Defense. Okay. Okay. So, um, we're uh, we're we're playing both sides of the ball. Slot receiver, cu- a couple of out, out and up patterns, maybe a couple of touchdowns here and there. Uh, how did that uh, gel with uh, with Moto? Was there ever a time where you couldn't race because of a football injury, or vice versa? Couldn't play football. Your coach is in your ear because you uh, got off the motorcycle at a high rate of speed. Um. Only thing that ever really happened is like before Reddit, which is obviously more around that August, beginning of August, was right in the uh, like the kind of the off the preseason, I guess. Not would say off season, but preseason of football where you're lifting really heavy, like you're doing all the maxing and everything like that, which is kind of like the opposite of the lifting you want to do for racing. So every year I have was coming to Loretta's uh, at the beginning of August. The only time that, like, my coaches and I would kind of butt heads a little bit with my deal is I would always not really max. Like, I would do less weight for higher reps instead of a lot of weight for one rep or two reps or three reps kind of thing just because it wasn't the style of lifting that I needed to be conditioned for long-distance racing. Twos or whatever I was doing at Loretta's. Um, so there was just the travel factor of, like, having to miss some practices whatnot but in all like besides Loretta's we never did any other really like big national races just because like I had school we had you know other obligations so there wasn't a whole lot of uh budding head coaches and I they expected and they knew that uh, I was trying to take it serious in both aspects and both sports so they liked it Fair enough. That, I appreciate that, man. Big fan of football, and, and your pro, your coaches are probably thinking to themselves, you know, Kevin's not very good. Uh, we can probably just he can skip a few practices. Um, he's he's yeah, just going to be filling was, the water bottles anyway. Uh, so yeah, uh-huh. yeah, pretty much. <laughs> no, I was or, actually or, I had a lot of really really what. I was going to say, you could flip that on me the other way, saying that you were so good that you didn't have to show up for practice because you, as well as I know, if you did play football, you'd know that there's plenty of guys who, even if they didn't show up to practice during the week, when it comes to game time, if they were a player, they're in the game. I know uh, I know that was the case for uh, a couple of the standouts on a few of the teams I played for. Yeah, and I mean, and like it's not like an NFL team or anything where you get like, recruited recruited or anything like that so like if you're starting maybe besides the quarterback like a large majority of the players both play both ways so like yeah just you have your uh, the high school i guess is the best way to put it but uh no i have a lot of really 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 good memories with uh, a lot of really good friends through high school so i was i was really blessed that i had that and every I was brought up the way I was, you know what I mean? Like I'm happy I wasn't homeschooled. I'm happy I didn't train throughout all of my school years and everything like that. Like I made friends. I actually have social skills. Like I think it's helped me a lot in racing and like partnerships and sponsors wise over the just you know the the usual what I don't want to say society what but what the motocross society expects from kids now is 
pretty much rip them out of school and just put them at a training facility all their life. You know what I mean? I think it's, I was yeah, happy totally. I came up the way I did. hundred percent. Like, um, like completely inversely to the, one of the last podcasts that I did with, uh, Tristan Charbonneau, who was basically at GTF, uh, or G, G, GPF, uh, from a very young age, basically his entire, uh, high school career, if you would call it that was spent down there. Uh, obviously he had a ton of success as an amateur championships, this, that, and the other thing, but, um, maybe missed out on a lot of things. Like maybe he didn't get to give his football practice Jersey to a girl he liked and then have her wear it during uh, on game day. Like that's, that's just a classic move. It's just, uh, and it's something that he didn't get a chance to, to execute. And, and, and by your laughter, I can see that you, uh, you exercised, you exercised your right to, to hand out your practice Jersey as well. Good on you. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I was laughing just about the situation. I definitely didn't do that, but, uh, no, like that, that's like, it's a good point. Like you do miss out on a lot if you're just like at a training facility. I mean, it's good in both ways. Like I'm sure he made a lot of really good memories with his buddies and racing buddies and whatnot, but, uh, I'm happy where I'm at right now with my racing and I'm on the up and up and I have a lot of drive left in me instead of, you know, I haven't been doing it for 10 years. Like a lot of the kids do. So it's, I feel like it's easy to get burnout is the best way to put it. If well, you are like at a training facility at such a young age, absolutely, and just the appreciation for it. I think that like uh, when yeah. you're 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 going to school, you're you're uh, honestly like you're you're just kind of like clawing for everything you have. It that creates a hunger that uh, is probably uh, is it, it's not, it's not cultivated any other way. And I think that uh, the appreciation for what you do have is definitely there. And I think that's something that not only comes out. Um, in how you control, uh, you um, operate yourself as a professional, but also how you race. Uh, Kevin Moran's known for not somebody who quits, not somebody who gives up, and, and, and someone who's going to give an honest effort absolutely uh, on eight, eight days of the week, uh, almost like kind of like the working man's privateer, if you will. I think somebody who uh, I think a lot of fans get behind you, my friend. I think more people who get to know you, they know that you're uh, you're not afraid to change a wheel, change tires, rip apart a, uh, a practice bike uh, the day after racing the thing to uh, every single main event win, only to have it uh, brought back to original <laughs> stock trim to sell the damn thing. That's a lot of hard work, and, and that's a lot of it's, that's that's hard work that a not a lot of uh, top flight pros, certainly not a lot of guys with national numbers uh, in the U.S. would consider the, themselves to do. And uh, you, you don't shy away from that. And I think that's probably your biggest strength. Yeah, absolutely. Like, it's just kind of, I'm, I mean, as a kid, obviously, you see a lot of these kids that, you know, have a huge big rig and are training. And, like, obviously, that's all I wanted to do back then because I was wanting to do better at Loretta's every year and everything. But, like, the way my parents handled it and the way that, you know, my upbringing was the best thing for me. Like, I didn't have everything handed to me. As soon as I turned 16 and I pretty – or, like, 16, 17-ish, and I started going pro, like, my parents pretty much were like, like, you know, we're getting ready to help your brother start going to college. Like, we got other expenses. Like, do you really want to take this seriously? Like, you need to go out and kind of try to find your own funding and everything like that. So, like, from a young age – I took on most of the expenses of my program and it's really made me appreciate the, the cost of everything. Like, let's just be really honest. Like I have, uh, 
an understanding of what the value of a dollar is. And a lot of kids that their parents just put them at a training facility, they don't really have that understanding. So, you know, that's why, that's where I get my drive from. It's where I get my, you know, grind from, I guess you could say, you know what I mean? Like I just, I appreciate everything that, you know, people supporting me. I appreciate everything that I have worked for and that I now have. And I appreciate everything that, you know, all my goals that I want to work towards, you know what I mean? hundred percent. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, you've, you've been really uh, successful in giving your sponsors a lot of value. Of course, you've in the, in the past worked with uh, the uh, TPJ, the professional journey um, along the route, but also a lot of the personal sponsors you have, giving them like extra special uh, treatment and just going above and beyond to sort of like over-service that account. Like your sponsors are your customers and uh, and then you, you also do a great job to, uh, to communicate with uh, their potential sponsors. Of course, the racers or the, the, the people who go to the races on, on the weekends, the people who watch Supercross live, the people who go to nationals if they're attending fans. And, um, like, what is it that, uh, like, you enjoy about that the most, being able to uh, communicate with fans and uh, and basically um, be a representative for the sponsors and the, and the companies who uh, put their good faith in you to, uh, yeah, to, to continue on? Yeah, so, like, the biggest thing for me when it comes to, I mean, I, it's kind of hard to, to specify uh, where we want to go with this, with that question. I could go on a lot of different tangents because I work with a lot of different kinds of companies and different, you know, people that have different angles, I guess is the best way to put it. But like the biggest thing for me is I really like sharing my knowledge and my experience and my advice with like the younger generation, the kids, uh, the kids that you know, look up to us racers, not just saying me specifically, but us racers as professional racers. Um, there's a lot of kids, because like, I remember when I was a kid and watching the, you know, like Chad Reed, Ricky Carmichael, those kinds of guys, like we all looked up to them and wanted to be like them, wanted to be a professional supercross racer. So when I have kids come up to me and like, you know, or even their parents, for instance, like trying to figure out the next step to take for their kids, like I enjoy sharing that knowledge because that's knowledge I have. You know what I mean? So yeah. like that on top of being able to market sponsors, market products, and actually bring real value to people that help me, like that's my biggest thing is take care of those that take care of you pretty much. And I am, the way I was brought up, like I had to give this up to my mom and dad again. Like I appreciate everything that's been uh, in my program. So I make sure to take the time to make or to, uh, give real, I don't know what I'm trying be to genuine. say here, but real like, yeah, be, I'm just taking products, saying thank you once, and then, you know, promoting it, not telling other people, hey, you know, I use make a metal handlebars, change the rockets, and this is why. Like, I do that better than a lot of other racers because I truly appreciate the people that support me. You know what I mean? 
Absolutely, and it shows. Like uh, you do a fantastic job, um, and I think that's one of the things that really endears you to a lot of the uh, the fans who pay attention to the privateers. And um, like moving forward into 2021, obviously uh, we're going to get to your dominant performance uh, this last weekend at the uh, the Hoosier Arena Cross uh, Nationals. But uh, like, what, what with an 85 on the front of your on the front and sides of your motorcycle, uh, what are your goals and sort of what the program looks like for uh, for 2021? Uh, so right now, uh, still uh, currently, it's looking like it's probably going to be back uh, with the same program I had last year. So probably back on KTM's, which I love, um, and back with the TPJ team, um, and that's like currently. Uh, what it's looking like, um, and my goals per se. Uh, so, like last year, we made a lot of progress. We ended up scoring, I think, thirty-five points in Supercross compared to seven the previous year. Um, I made two mains my first half season of Supercross because I was hurt at the beginning. To I think I made five or six last year, or I guess this year still. Um, and my best finish of my first half season was 19th in a main. And this year was 13th. So, like, the numbers don't lie that we've made progress. But for me and where I'm at and, honestly, like, how I performed this weekend, like, I, I feel good. I have a lot of aggression. And that's the biggest thing I needed to work on is, like, pure aggression and qualifying speed. And just, like, because I have the consistency and I have the, the confidence in myself to do better than I've done. It's just I always end up not qualifying very well, which puts me on the outside of the gate, which makes just life a lot more difficult. You know what I mean? So I'm a good enough starter, and I have enough confidence that if I can get, you know, better K-pick, let's be really honest, uh, I'll be just that much farther up. So I think realistic goals for this year, if our best finish was 13th last year, depending on uh, just how we're going into the season, like I don't think – a top 10 finishes out of the reach. You know what I mean? Like, that's my true goals is to break the top 10 this year and then just continue to score more points and just continue to uh, make my national number smaller and smaller until I'm given the opportunity of, uh, you know, a fill-in ride or a factory ride, and that's kind of the, the main goal right now. And then as soon as we accomplish that, then we'll create more new goals and just keep moving up the ladder board. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, incrementally making changes and, and, and moving up within the sport of motocross. That's uh, the name of the game when you're, uh, when you're riding with the privateer journey. Now, let's, let's focus on this last weekend's events. Um, if I'm a, just a, a, a pro rolling in, I'm looking at the, registrated guy, the registered guys, I'm seeing who, who I'm going to be facing against, and then my heart sinks when I see the big boss with the hot sauce, the 85 machine, he's going to be rolling in on a practice bike, and he's going to not only take both main events the first night, comes back after probably tying one on on Friday night, comes back and absolutely just drops one on everybody. I'll take every single main event plus the the bonus for taking all of those as well. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for coming. Uh, Kevin Moran's ones all the way across the board uh like regardless of what series it's in uh it's got to feel good to grab some wins oh yeah it feels really good and to come in and know that there's some pretty legit guys there like there's some other national number uh holders there 
and to come in and pretty much have a dominant performance was really satisfying and really uh, rewarding for me. Like, I knew I could do it. I knew it was going to be good battling. Um, and obviously, I'm confident with my starts. But uh, to go out there and just truly perform, be consistent, and not even start up front every race, but find my way to the front, um, playing that cat and mouse game, like, I just really, really enjoy that. So, um, Marina Cross slash Supercross is definitely more my niche, I would say. And, uh, yeah, it was honestly, it was a, it was a very solid weekend. I can't really say much else but that. No, you crushed it, man. It was uh, an absolute dominant performance, um, and you got to be proud of that. You know what I mean? Like it, it's uh, like there's a total lack of off-season races, and not to say that this series is an off-season race, but for you, sort of treated it as one. Roll in and um, and and just assert yourself. Uh, I think it was. Uh, it looked like a fun track. Looked really fast. Also looked like if you got the start, it was pretty much over because it was kind of looked like it was so fast it might be difficult for passing. But let's let's get the the word from the horse's mouth. How was the how was the track? How was the series? What what did it feel like for you? Like was this a full on arena cross or was this more of like felt more like a local arena cross kind of shindig? Well, I mean, I think we all understand uh, that. Amsoil Arena Cross was the legit Arena Cross for pros. Um, clearly, like this is the same track that 50s and 60s riders, like those kinds of kids, have to ride. So they can't make it an Amsoil Arena Cross style track where the whoops are huge and you got peak jumps and like you just can't do that or else kids are going to get hurt. So you kind of got to understand that before you can move forward. But uh, other than that, like the track was pretty simple it was their first round so obviously they wanted to try to make it safe but it was still quality enough that you could find differences in speed between different riders like there was a couple i guess you'd say obstacles on the track that um were slight separators on the way you hit them uh you can kind of go through the loops everybody at least the top five i would say were probably going through the loops pretty much similar but right after the loops you had a what normally would probably just be a sweeper into a rhythm section. They had like a turning kind of wall tabletop thing, which was huge for me because that's where I kind of excelled is coming out of the loops, staying completely off the brakes, and then just using my momentum into the tabletop slash kind of scrubbing it uh, compared to some of the other riders that were a little bit more timid. So there were still good uh, options to coming through the pack to an extent. Like, obviously, if you get, you know, you're outside the top five, it's going to be really tough to catch the first-place guy and come back. But there were several mains where, you know, I started third and then found my way into first by, you know, those taking my strong suits of coming through the whoops, coming into that uh, line a little bit harder than others, and then setting them up for an inside pass on the next corner through the residence section. You know what I mean? So it's just got to be – you got to play the game, and that's one thing I really have learned over the years and really love to do, honestly, is play that little cat-and-mouse game as long as it's, you know, more or less clean. Like, I don't like anybody T-boning each other and hitting and whatnot. So uh, that little cat-and-mouse game is something I really enjoy. Well, I, I can certainly see that. Like, uh, like the tight confines of, uh, of Arena Cross – really playing into your strength and also sets you up for Supercross, which I think is your main focus moving in to the next six months. Now, uh, we talked off air about attending the second round of this series, or I guess the third and fourth rounds of the series, uh, in, in a few weeks' time. If that's on the if that's uh, in the cards, 
I think you'll be there. But uh, if if the the program comes together to really focus on Supercross, I feel like that's probably going to be uh, where you uh, put your priorities, and um, which is m- much uh, to the relief of of those you competed against this last weekend. <laughs> yeah, I've already had several people ask me if I'm coming back <laughs> that I race this week. So uh, that's funny. No, I think. I think for sure it would be cool, um, especially being, I guess, pretty much the points leader in both classes. Um, it would be cool to come back and, and do at least this next uh, two rounds. But I know for sure probably that even if I do go to these next two rounds, it'll probably be the last two rounds I go to just because the remainder of the rounds have some sort of uh, – that interfere with Supercross schedule. So, because I think this is the last one of this year, and then the rest of them start happening in January and February, which obviously my folks will be on Supercross then. Um, but yeah, like you kind of said a little bit earlier in the podcast, like we loaded up, and I was racing the practice bike this weekend, so it was just a stock 250. Um, and we came back home, stripped it all the way down, returned it completely to stock, so put the stock plastic, stock wheels, stock chase rockets, everything on it. It's already sold. And I'm actually headed back from Illinois right now uh, with the race bike that we just got completely rebuilt. My 2020, obviously, race bike through Supercross and Outdoors just got fully rebuilt. And we're getting ready to sell it, too, so then I can get the new 2021 and get those bad boys rolling to get ready for Supercross. So, honestly, this next round is going to depend if I have a bike um, to race. Honestly, if I don't, I'm probably going to try to find one to borrow and see if we can still make the same thing happen. But, uh no, right now it's just my goal is to get bikes, get everything set up for Supercross, and uh, get the training. And if uh, we can uh, sneak down to Oklahoma again for round three and four, then that's uh, what we'll try to do. Is that a, a, a normal kind of every year sort of uh, deal for a lot of privateers? Obviously, for contingency, you need to be on a homologated modern motorcycle. I know for a little while, like uh, Honda... Uh, privateers were racing the year prior model, and that was still uh, still got contingency. Um, but is is that something that privateers basically have to work work around every single year? Is a turnover of motorcycles and a frantic, um, just always just turning over all of your parts, accessories, and then getting brand new bikes and, and basically started starting from scratch right around this time every year. Um. I would say yes, if I'm being really honest. Like, a large majority of people, at least at our level, try to get, you know, rid of their bike. Like, because my bikes, each of them, both practice and race, have less than 50 hours on them, have been rebuilt um, within the last 20 hours. And then, obviously, the race bike that we're getting ready to sell, literally, I'm headed back with it in the back of my van right now. Uh, I literally just got rebuilt 30 minutes ago. So, <laughs> it has zero time on it, so it'll be ready to sell. But the biggest thing why I do it, because, like, this bike that um, I'm bringing back home right now, like, it's got brand-new head, brand-new rod, brand-new piston, brand-new everything, you know, valves, everything in it. Uh, so it's going to be pretty much the legit brand-new race bike ready to go. Um, but I personally just like to get new every year. That way you know, like, for a fact that, you know, everything's just new, everything's tight, everything's ready to go, and you don't have any wear on it, um, which is pretty pretty huge coming into supercross and outdoors and being at this level you can't really take any chances so the newer your bikes are uh the more i guess you can say you could have 
confidence in them because, I mean, let's be honest, like the guys on the factory teams rebuild their stuff every weekend. So we don't have that kind of budget, and so we're just going to try to keep the confidence going with a little bit newer products. Well, I, I like the sounds of that. Um, let's talk a little bit about uh, you starting, like basically creating uh, Kevin Morans as not only an athlete, but more of a brand, someone who can represent your sponsors like we talked about earlier. You have a vlog where people can follow along, as well as uh, our good friend uh, over at the ATC uh, Flipside uh um, KTM team is uh, Flipside Racing uh, has been helping you out a little bit with that uh, like uh, kind of branding of yourself and, and, and knowing uh, sort of uh, um, how to ask for the sale and uh, and and what to be uh, what you can offer. Yeah, so that's actually one thing that I'm going to be introducing this year, uh, which I'll probably be introducing hopefully within like the next month or so. Is I actually have a couple really cool ideas slash programs of ways that I'm going to be able to get the fans involved of like actually joining and being a part of Kevin Moran's racing and be a part of my racing and actually, you know, feel like you're a part of the team uh, instead of just, you know, going out and asking random people for support here and there. Like I actually kind of got a program put together. So definitely stay tuned for that. If you guys have any interest of in trying to support my program and be a part of my program. Uh, okay. But that's one thing that I've been talking to Jeff about a little bit. He's been helping me just kind of get everything laid out of what I got planned to come through this year to uh, not only gain more support, but actually get the fans involved and make them feel like they're a part of the racing. You know what I mean? So that's kind of a little project I've been working on, but I'm pretty excited to kind of drop everything that I got going for 2021, you know? For sure. That's uh, very much along the lines of, uh, of a program that uh, uh, similar to uh, the collective experience, but th this is this is like basically de dedicated directly to uh, the Kevin Moran's experience. And if you call it that, you better. That'd be hilarious. Um, but uh, uh, but uh, that would just be a big middle finger to Dave, my, our good friend Dave, Dave Drakes. But uh, I think that'd be really cool because, um, like I've said about the, the, the collective experience with Dave, um, like as a young guy, like you have like maybe one or two big races that come by, uh, your area per year. And are you going to buy like a regular admission ticket each year? Or are you going to take an opportunity to go behind the velvet rope, get, get that behind the scenes, uh, look, um, at a sport that, that you love so much. And if it's that important to you, I think you're going to invest in that. So I think that's a really good idea on your part. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm kind of working all the kinks out right now. But as soon as we get down to a training facility and we're getting closer to the season, I'll be releasing all that stuff. And, uh, yeah, it would be. I'm actually pretty excited about it. So I'm kind of curious what everybody's going to think of it. Cool, man. Well, uh, we wish you the best of luck. For those who aren't already following you on social media, and if, and, and if they're not, that they're completely missing out. And, and, and shame on them. But uh, where can they find you <laughs> yeah, on... Yeah, they definitely uh, need a... So go they ahead. definitely need to hop on and check out the uh, the carnage from the weekend. You know what I mean? Oh, that's <laughs> Did you get to see that video? Yeah, it's on your Instagram. It's about four four posts down. Uh, for those who haven't yeah. watched it yet, they need to go check that out. Yeah, carnage, man. That was wild. But it was good that's to have, really uh, you know, all number ones. That's that's uh, that's arena cross, man. That's how it works. Uh, you were able to remount yeah. 
quite quickly. Uh, basically, just uh, you, you and uh, Miss. Uh, is that Harlan that you're uh, sending yeah, into the cheap yeah, seats? That was, that was Grant. I mean, it was so it was the last lap of the last uh, main of the sec- or the first night. So he had he got the whole shot. I made a big mistake in that section on about lap three, uh, and I cased like literally like face planted into the bars on like the third lap. So he got me by honestly about three seconds, two three seconds right there. And uh, by the end of it, I had caught back up to his rear wheel and. The lappers obviously didn't help him out. That's what you see right there. But he ended up missing the 3-3 on the last lap. So that's where I went. I went three, and then I tried threeing to the inside. And obviously, I landed very far inside. But he felt that I was threeing to the inside, so he's trying to protect his inside. And I, we've talked after this. So, like, we're all cool. But I even told him, I was like, dude, I would have done the same thing as you. I was like, I don't know if I would have came in that far because he left me no room. Uh, and that's obviously we kind of just I landed on his bar, and then we – tangled up and then landed into the corner and yeah so it's kind of how that works but if you guys want to check it out definitely follow me on instagram at moran.85 uh my facebook is moran346 because for whatever reason facebook won't let me change it um and then also you can uh follow me on youtube at kevin moran's i'm gonna be starting some uh video stuff here soon as well so should be pretty exciting I love it, my friend. Well, I really appreciate you making some time for us uh, as you drive uh, back home uh, on this beautiful Monday evening. Uh, I, this has been awesome. I really appreciate the time, like I said. Uh, I know you got a ton of great personal sponsors, and you want to get uh, some shout-outs there. Uh, where, um, yeah, like, uh, who, do you, who do you have to thank before I let you go on this thing? Um, I'll, kind of, I'll focus on the main big ones. Uh, the big ones that have really stepped up for me this year is like DPJ Racing. Uh, Monarch Heavy Hall has really, really stepped up for me this year. Uh, Tom Zont, which is the motor guy that I just, I'm driving back from right now. Like, without him, my program wouldn't work. Um, Decker Suspension and Race Tech have really stepped up with me. And then Letco Cycles, KTM as well. Like, that's where I'm getting my bikes from right now. So, that along with Fly, uh, Mika Metals, FMF, there's a lot of really, really good people behind me. OGO, Karcher. Um, I could go down the list. Ones are the, the ones that have really stepped up for me this year, and I'm looking to continue putting them on the top of the box at these uh, Hoosier Arena Crosses and then into Supercross, get some good TV time, some good results. Right on, man. Well, uh, as always, uh, you have yourself a great rest of your evening. We appreciate the time coming on the podcast to give us the 411 on everything Kevin Morant. Do not hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there.